This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emerest, CPA with Parmelis and Associates. So I was thinking last week, talking with Laura from Shop Loaners, who awesome episode. If you haven't listened to that, check it out. And especially if you have loaner cars, Laura's an awesome person, awesome product that they have, and a lot of shops using it with great success. So check that out. But what it got me thinking about is the true cost of your loaner car fleet. And are those old beaters really saving you any money in the long run? I talk about this with my clients a lot and thought to myself, you know what? I've never done an episode on this. So that is exactly what we're going to look at this week. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partner who makes business by the numbers possible. Did you know that Napa Tracks has on-site training plus six days a week support? It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Let us prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Visit them online at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. So the key idea this week is something called opportunity cost. And I could look up the definition, but for you, in simple terms, it's a cost of doing something else, but sometimes also the cost of doing nothing. To put in real life terms of what opportunity cost is, is what is the cost of sitting on your couch and let's just say watching TV? And no, don't think about it too deep. And it's not like how much of the house cost and TV and internet and stuff like that. It's just free. Sitting there, it doesn't cost you anything. You're not going out. You're not eating. You're not, you know, going to a bar, going to a football game, whatever. It's free sitting on your couch. But what is the true cost of that, right? What is the opportunity cost of sitting on your couch? And you can go into any number of things. You know, the opportunity cost of you sitting there watching TV is, hey, you could be reading a book. You could be learning a new skill that could ultimately give you return. But more literal example would be, let's say that you're sitting on the couch shortly after your friend offered you to give him a hand and he said to give you a hundred bucks if you could stop by and help him get, I don't know, bed out of his house, a TV thrown away, something like that. So instead of doing that, you said, eh, I don't really want to do that. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to watch some TV. And you're thinking to yourself, it's free. No, the cost of watching that TV is still zero. It's all paid for. But the opportunity cost of making that decision is actually $100. If you did not sit on your couch and you chose to go help your friend out, you would have made $100. Lost opportunity, hence the cost. And I guess hence the name too, opportunity cost. What could you have made if you were to do something else? Like what is the cost of your decisions in a nutshell? And we'll talk about this and it'll, you know, obviously go into a couple of different things about loaner cars. But opportunity cost is something that is not just for business, and it's really everything about your life. And then sometimes there is actual true cost, like opportunity cost will almost be priced into something because it's too good to miss. But this is how our decisions go. Are you choosing the right decisions? And every decision that you make probably still has a cost. I highly doubt that you are going to pick the most profitable thing that you could be doing at any second of the day. And sometimes even doing that has a cost, too. What if you never sit down? What if you never watch TV? What if you never take a break? There is going to be a huge cost there. In the short term, not going to be. Long term, massive. Now, in a shop, there are many examples just like this and might actually change the way that you look at some things. But just to keep on topic here, let's go into loaner cars. Most people start out with a free or really cheap loaner cars, right? A lot of people, that's how they get into them. I don't have loaner cars, got a good opportunity from a customer, 
hey, you know what? That'd be a decent loaner car. My friend's been talking about it. I don't want to go buy a new one. Used car market is terrible right now. But this person's got a brand new, let's probably not brand new. That'd be a bad example. But let's say five, six year old, you know, Honda CRV. Good shape, but bad motor. So again, maybe not a bad, a good example because if a customer has a bad motor or a five-year-old car, especially a Honda, they're probably going to put a new one in there. But let's just say that this CRV needs an engine. It doesn't make sense for the customer. So they offer or you offer them say, you know what? It doesn't make sense. Or I know you don't want to put any more money into this. Your kid's not going to use this anymore. He's going to go get his own car. I'll give you two grand for it, right? It's pretty much what you're going to get on Facebook. You don't have to deal with any of those knuckleheads and you're happy about it. Client's happy about it. Everyone is happy here. Now you're sitting back after this of thinking, oh, I am the sharpest business person in the world. I just got an $8,000 car for two grand. Now, yeah, that part about it needs a new engine, of course, but I'm a mechanic. I can put this thing in my sleep. I can go down to a junkyard and I can grab a new motor for, let's just say, a thousand bucks. So now I'm only into it for three thousand, but this is an eight thousand dollar car. I could put three thousand into it and I could turn around and I could sell it for eight thousand. Now, I know you know that if I'm making this example, this is not just going to be the end of it. This would be a pretty terrible episode if you're like, see, you guys should all be buying loaner cars. It's three grand, it's cheap, it's easy. Now, what is the real cost of this? And I think you know where I'm going, but let's really dive into the numbers. So we're into it already 3,000 in parts. But what we're doing here is we're ignoring our labor. And the idea behind it is we're ignoring the labor cost because I'm paying these guys whether or not they're working on my cars, their cars, whoever's car. So who cares? They're here anyways. So let's just say that this engine and, you know, associated stuff that goes around it is going to take your technician about 30 hours and your labor rate's about $150 an hour. Now, if he was to sell those 30 hours to a retail customer, that would be about $4,500 in just labor sales. Now, if you factor in that labor sales generally come with some part sales along with it, the time that he spent at 30 hours, he probably could have been making about $6,500, $7,000 in profit, in gross profit dollars. I'm not talking about sales. In gross profit dollars, about $6,500 baked into that 30 hours that he was messing with the CRV, not on the retail customers. So what this actually is, is you just paid $9,500 for an $8,000 car. This is the one thing that it's a lot of time like, boom, a light bulb goes off for people. It's not actually free, is it? And not only is it not free, it also has a massive cost. Because the idea here is, yes, it does not truly cost me anything if you look at that technician working on that car. Just like that example of sitting there watching TV. Tech's already paid for, TV's already paid for. There is no cost. However, what is the alternative, right? What is the opportunity that that technician is missing out on? If he wasn't working on that CRV, he could have had retail customers in there. So we need to factor that in there because you chose to work on a CRV and not have him work on retail customers. So that is a cost. So we actually did not get a deal whatsoever. We actually paid a premium for that. Now, yeah, I know what you're going to say listening to this. Well, 30 hours to put a new engine in their CRV hunt. What are you talking about here? Don't get into the details. And I guarantee you that if you start looking down through, and if you're saying that, you probably might have some older loaner cars. And I really, really, really urge you to kind of take a look at this and really unpack it. Let's face it. Your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. 
You need Napa Tracks because it integrates with all the major players, including Napa ProLink, PartsTech, OE RepairLink, Epicor, TireConnect, Mitchell One Pro Demand, and more. Napa Tracks has leading edge tools and technology that your shop needs right now. Unlike the other guys, we'll be there after your installation with the best training and support in the business. Your training includes a learning management system that is tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. For over 30 years, Napa Trax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the best, most comprehensive SMS in the industry. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Now, obviously, this assumes that you have retail work to do. Because if it is slow and you have nothing else to do, I can see the argument completely. And I have a good bit of people that do this, not necessarily for loaner cars, because those can be more time sensitive. But I have a lot of clients that do this for some of their used car work, right? Hey, the used car, and we don't do any reconditioning if we've got retail work. They use used cars to kind of fill in the spots. But all of my guys that do that, they still are running these tickets down through at full retail. Because they're saying, hey, even though we had nothing else to do, we are running these used cars in at full retail. So I need to make sure that my shop is profitable. Because if I just do it at cost, then I'm really shorting my shop. Yeah, I'm making it look like I made more money in the used car. But a lot of my guys have really shifted their mentality of, hey, I'm going to make three grand on a used car and, and just put parts on it. No, I'm going to do this stuff at full retail. Because if I wasn't working on this, I would be working on someone else's. And then if I can still price this correctly to make money on it, then great. If not, I'm not going to touch it because they know how valuable their time in and their technician's time is. Now, what if you're thinking to yourself, well, hunt, I'm going to do it myself. I'm not going to get my technician. I'm going to still have them on the line getting retail work. I'm just going to do it myself. So it's free. I'm only using my time. Again, how much is your time worth? Are you free? Are you a charity? Of course not. And also, if you can, you might say, you know what? I don't turn wrenches anymore. But for some reason, the loaner car is something that you are okay to do. I give you the same argument. Hey, if you can go out there and you can put the engine in that CRV, you could go out and do some brakes. You could do a timing belt. You could do whatever you want and still sell your own time. So be careful. Value your own time and make sure that you're not devaluing your own because no offense to employees, no offense to technicians out there. But if you don't value your time, then you're missing the boat here. Your time is the most valuable or it should be. If it's not, then probably I don't know. I mean, I guess if your time isn't truly that valuable, and I guess in one ways I envy you a little bit because it is a mental aspect of it. But just be really careful with that because that's what happens to a lot of people. And what happens later in life generally is a lot of people realize, you know what? My time is a lot more valuable than I ever imagined. And they start really changing their behaviors and their decisions once that finally clicks. Now, another situation, but kind of the same idea is this is probably an extreme example, but I will still say extremely common. Do you know how many times I'm working on a shop's books and I say, hey, what is this loaner car you got for $300 or something like that? And always it's the same thing. Oh, I had a bad transmission. Oh, I had a bad engine, you know? So I'm only into it 300 bucks or I'm only into it 800 now because I got to use transmission for $500. But the same idea goes into just kind of keeping these older vehicles on the road. You just kind of have an aging fleet where they're not necessarily giving you major repairs, but, you know, a couple bucks here, water pumps, tie rod, brakes, 
had to do some shocks on it. You name it, right? It's a 150,000 mile Corolla. Pretty reliable, but it's still going to break down and need some stuff here and there. It's the same exact idea. Now, that 30 hours might not come in a week like this, but you could easily have that 30 hours spread throughout the year. That is an actual opportunity cost, just like we were talking about before. But what about some other things? Your reputation of seeing your loaner car broken down the side of the road. Time to go get the customer. Take someone's day or half their day to go out and pick up the customer, You know, get the car towed back to the shop. Now you got a pissed off customer. Now are they going to tell their friends, hey, you know, if they can't even fix their own loaner cars, how are they going to fix mine? And all around, just the mental load of worrying about this stuff, right? Of just, hey, ooh, man, that thing was making some weird noise when Mrs. Smith comes and dropped that off last time. Do we even want to send that out? I'm not even sure if we want to recommend it. Maybe you know what I'll do is I'll go out and drive it or, you know, I'll take have one of my technicians to take it out for a little bit. Again, time, time, time. It's all taking us time. Time is not free. So this is why we always like to run internal tickets at full retail, right? We talked about it for used car reconditioning, full retail. I want to see the true cost of this, which means I want to see the opportunity cost of what I could have been doing with a retail customer. Same thing with warranty work. You know what? They came in there and, you know, this little part, it was $10. I had to warranty it, but no worries. Napa gave me back that. However, they didn't give me back the 10 hours that it took my technician to fix that. Right now, if you're seeing that $10 ticket come through, you're never going to go back and say, hey, what's going on here? Now you see that $1,800, $2,000 ticket that's getting written off for warranty. Probably going to start asking some questions. Hey, what happened there, guys? I know it's a $10 part, but this is an all labor job and we're getting murdered on this one. Is this something we screwed up? Is this something that we did wrong? Or if this was bad out of the box, even if my vendor doesn't generally reimburse me for labor, I'm going to cause a stink because we just got burned on this one. So you can see just right there in a nutshell, if you just had that $10 part, you wouldn't even ever know about it. However, if you see that ticket come over with that big goose egg on collection, probably going to start asking some questions from you know your advisors and the rest of your team there. Now, what about your personal cars, right? Or race cars on this? Oh, if we're slow, you know, we'll mess with the race car. It's good team building and stuff like that, which I get it. I'm never going to come down to, and I've you know talked about this before, you can't always be literal with this. People need time off. People need some sort of enjoyment there. But race cars, and probably the worst one as I had is, I guess I had a couple clients have done this. Oh, if we're slow, you can pull in your car and you can work on it. Now, do you think that they're really going to be looking for work on that vehicle? If they know that if that person says no, that they can bring their race car in, their drift car in, and they can mess with it? Of course not. They're going to say, ah, no, boss, it's good to go. Those shocks are fine. Sweet. I'm going to bring my S13 in here and I'm going to weld the diff and do whatever I want to do on it. Same thing with the race cars. Man, I'd much rather work on a race car than this retail customer. Just get it out the door and let's do this. Once you start looking at the true cost here or opportunity cost, a lot of different things will they'll kind of come to you or you might see them in a completely different light than you have before. Now, what about, let's say, a tow truck? And a tow truck is kind of a wild one. And there's some other ones that you can put into the same idea of this, but this is probably the most common one that I see. So how much does it cost to have your wrecker broken down? And really, a lot of it is the exact same idea as a loaner car, whether it's a Corolla or whether it's a whatever monstrous, you know, heavy duty rotator on this. The idea is still the same. Your time is not free. Your technician's time is not free. But what about the other side of it? What do you mean by that? So think about it this way. That tow truck is an income generating asset. 
compared to that Corolla, which is really a depreciating asset. I guess in some way it's making you some money being a loaner car, but that tow truck is actually out there on the road every single day, every single hour, and hopefully as much as you possibly can, generating you money. So if your tow truck is off the road, it cannot make you any money. So let's imagine that same situation, but now add on to the fact of it, of that 30 hours meant that that you know, truck was off the road for an entire week. A light duty truck, right? If you just have a flatbed or something like that, could be a couple thousand dollars. Really depends on how much you tow, how long that's out on the road and what kind of demand and, you know, obviously the season and stuff like that. But even bigger is, you know, the big guys, the heavy duty rotators, $600,000, $700,000 trucks. If they are off the road, this could be tens of thousands of dollars. Now, probably two different things to analyze there because there's probably plenty of times where you guys with the heavy duties don't even have that thing out for the week. But what if there is that big pileup? I've seen clients that had a snowstorm that had a you know heavy duty rotator out there for 30 hours straight picking people out of you know a ditch, making tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars there. What if the engine was down and you had it back in the shop and you were messing with it and you couldn't take that call in rotation and one of your guys down the road had to get it? That might not have you know looked that bad because you said, oh, we do this job all the time. We can you know fix this EGR or whatever it is and get it back on the road. But we just missed that call and that cost us $40,000. Not going to be very happy about that, are you? And for tow trucks, a lot of the time, the opportunity cost of the lost revenue and the lost profits from that revenue is actually higher than the cost of not working on the retail customers here. And I've really seen this in recent years. You know, when I first started doing this, a lot of my guys kept their trucks for a good while, well outside of warranty. And a lot of these guys were even buying used trucks and running them till the wheels fell off on it. Now, so much has changed in that industry. The way that they pick rotation, how many number of trucks you have, but even just the complexity, the emission system and the overall price of tow trucks has just completely shifted over the last, I've been doing this 15 years, but I'd say the major shift has probably been in the last five to 10 on this. And I'll give you a story about one of my clients where I really kind of opened my eyes to this. And I kept on seeing that they were always getting new trucks and trading stuff in. And this is probably six, eight years ago where I'd never really seen a tow truck operator go through trucks like this person had. And I talked to him and I said, why do you guys do this? These are still pretty good trucks. That last one they trade in only had like 110,000 miles, which ignorantly I thought was a baby. Man, that thing will run forever, won't it? She told me, she's like, yeah, it will, but it'll start costing you a lot of money. And I was like, what do you mean by that? How is it going to cost you a lot of money? And what they did is they actually did an analysis and they sat down one year. Actually, their tow manager did this, which was super cool. He actually went down and he had been really, really harping on them of, hey, we need to get rid of these trucks. They are costing us money. And the owner was adamant that they were not They, What do you mean? Do you know how much a new truck cost? And so what that tow truck manager did is he actually went down through and said, you know what, here is how much we spend or how much you think that we spent on keeping these trucks on the road. And obviously what was in there? Just parts. $30,000, worth of parts, let's just say on this. See, we only spent 35000 on this. And he goes, no, take a look at this. Here's another $87,000. What's that? This is the money that we could have made if the technicians were working on retail customers, not our tow trucks. And then the last part, I could have just made up and not tell you this, but I forget the number, but it was crazy high. I mean, like we're talking four to five hundred thousand dollars, like enough to replace the entire fleet of trucks that year. And then my client obviously goes, what is that? And what he says is he said, this is 
the money that we would have made if those trucks were on the road or if those trucks weren't on the road, if we had a replacement truck to be on the road. This is all the money that we lost when we were paying tow drivers to sit here and stare at us working on their trucks. And let's just say shortly after that, my client saw the light and she said, yeah, you made a really good point here. You didn't come back to me and say, oh, these trucks are old. You know, these trucks don't make good noises. These trucks have terrible speakers. I don't like them. Really came in dollars and cents and says, hey, this is not a financially smart decision for us to keep these things on the road. While it does not look like on the surface that they are really costing us this much money, if you truly look at the opportunity cost, this is costing us a ton. Now, what did they choose to do here? The same thing that a lot of people choose to do with the loaner cars as well. They ditch those things, they go out and they buy brand new loaner cars, they buy a brand new tow truck. And specifically for this client that I'm talking about with the tow trucks, they keep them until the warranty is expired. Sometimes they'll even get rid of them before that. Quickest I think was a little bit yes than less than three years. I think that one was like a lemon though. But if that five-year mark is coming up, they will not keep it past that because they do not have any other technicians touch their tow trucks. Tow trucks do not come into the shop. If the tow truck is broken down, it either gets dropped off at the dealership or the dealership sometimes will even drop off a new truck for them to drive and they'll pick up their old tow truck, take it back and work on it and swap it out when it's done. So there is no maintenance cost for them. There is no opportunity cost because their technicians never have to mess with it. There is no opportunity cost for lost revenue because they have a loaner truck. They have a replacement truck from the dealer. Now, I am not sure if this is a completely wacky thing. I'm not sure if all dealerships do this. And honestly, this was years ago on it. If I had to imagine now, I don't think they have probably the stock that they did back then just because COVID has killed that supply chain. It's starting to come back a little bit, but you know, I had guys waiting two, three years for trucks to finally take delivery of them and stuff like that. But again, unpack this, right? Don't just look at this short-sighted. Don't ignore a lot of the different facts and circumstances around this that are really going to allow you to make a better decision here. And opportunity cost is everywhere. And honestly, if you start looking, there's probably almost always something else that you could be doing with your time. We talked about this before. If you start looking at this, you're going to drive yourself crazy. There is a big factor here that you need to factor in now is what do you like to do? What is going to make you happy? Yeah, painting lines or, you know, sharpening up the lines in your parking lot is free for you to do, right? You got some paint, you got a decent lines out there, tape it off, spray paint it out. Now, we could sit here and say, well, you could have used that two hours and you could have went back into the shop and turned some wrenches on it. But no, what you want to do, it's a beautiful day out. Just want to go out, clear your head, spend two hours. It was a nice day. It's still better than sitting in your office, surfing social media or, or doing something like that. So while there's always something more profitable, there's still probably something that's going to be less profitable as well. Maybe that'll make you feel a little bit better. I'll leave you with one final one. And I guess it's a pretty far out one, but you know, I hear this argument a lot. Training is too expensive for my team. And we've talked about this before. I've interviewed my clients about, hey, it doesn't really cost you any money, but never in this kind of framework of talking about opportunity cost. So I get it. You don't want to take your team to vision. You don't want to take your team to SDX. It's expensive, not even opportunity cost. We're just looking dollars and cents. It is a serious investment. Maybe you're not even thinking about doing something that extreme, but you don't even want to lose working hours by sending your team to training or stopping the shop to do some during the workday. You might think that you're doing a smart thing by, you know, factoring the opportunity cost. 
right? Worldpack is doing, let's just say, a free training for you. But if you have your three technicians off the floor for two hours, that's going to cost you $2,000 in missed revenue or missed gross profit. I get it. But remember, I talked about this. Opportunity cost is everywhere. So there's probably something better and there's probably still something worse no matter what it is. Now, what is the cost of lack of training? And has there ever been a class where you've learned a new skill or something that has saved you time in the future? I know there has been. Maybe it's not even a new class. Pick up in you know, one of these shop owners group or learn it from a friend. But let's just say hypothetically that that two-hour training class, you decided to let your guys do it. And one of your techs picked up a little trick. It's going to save them 15 minutes. Pretty cool, but who cares, huh? Hey, you know what? We see that job a good bit, but not that often. It's not like a daily thing. Why do we care about 15 minutes? So let's say over the next 10 years, if he says, let's just say he's doing one of these jobs a week, right? Maybe sometimes two in a week, sometimes none, but averaging about one of these jobs a week, then it's going to save him about 130 hours over the next 10 years. I don't need to do the math to show you that, hey, the two hours that you lost here paid back, I don't know, what's that, 80 times over, something like that, 65 times over over the next 10 years right? This is the whole idea about being short-sighted. Yes, this is going to cost me money right now, but I am making money in the long run. These guys are learning something. Now, a lot of times what happens, and I had one of my clients talk about this, is whenever they go to training, and he was talking about vision, he doesn't let his guys, unless it's a really unique one, doesn't like to let his guys all take the same class. And he used a similar example like this. Hey, if that technician goes and spend some time in that class, it's going to save him uh, 15 minutes on that job. If the two other guys are in a different or if the two other guys are in a different class, then he's going to tell them that same trick, right? So that's saving him 15 minutes and both the other guys 15 minutes when they do that job. Now, what if both of those two other guys are each in separate classes and they come back and they share the same little trick as well? So instead of having all of them in one class when it's going to save us 15 minutes, He kind of did a shotgun approach and said, hey, you're going to get bits and pieces of all of these classes. And now maybe you're not going to save 45 minutes because you're probably not as good of a trainer as a guy doing this. But even if it saves us 30 minutes for each of our technicians every week for the next 10 years. Yeah, pretty good return on investment. You know, even down to something as silly as I hear a lot of guys. I don't really want to replace that lift. It's still working. It's just a little bit slow. Now, obviously, if you have a lift that has like a safety thing, you know, opportunity cost of not fixing this is massive. Eh, Cylinders leaking, you know, safety features are off of this. Eventually, it's going to fall down and squish one of my guys. But you know what? He's too tall anyways. That'll sort itself out. But seriously, though, I've done this with one of my clients where he had an alignment rack, I think it was, where he was talking about and he was like, ah, it's not bad, but, you know, it's probably... Getting up there in age, and I would say that if we were to get a new one, it would probably save us two to three minutes every single time that lift went up or or down, right? And we use opportunity cost for that example. Hey, you don't want to do this now, but if you were to have that new lift, every time it goes up and down, it's going to save you, let's just say, five minutes on the round trip of this. How many times that rack go up and down every single day, every single week, every single month, every single year? And what we found out is that $8,000 lift really didn't cost us anything after a couple months. And I was actually shocked at how quick. And then what we started doing is started going down even a little bit deeper on that. Hey, do you think technicians even like recommending or selling alignments? Or do you think that they kind of dodge it because they hate dealing with that slow piece of crap? So this is the idea here of looking at this, not at just surface level, but just kind of going down into this and making sure that you're making the right decision here.
So to wrap all this stuff, you know, the one thing to leave you with here is, well, hopefully you got a better idea of what opportunity cost is. And obviously, you know, a couple of different scenarios on how to apply this and probably enough tools there to apply to other things in your business. I got an email the other week where I forget what the topic was. I apologize if you're the one that sent me this email, but they sent me an email and it was exactly what I wanted to see, right? I was talking about one thing and he said, hey, I never really looked at it that way. And that was a really cool idea. But even better, that allowed me to kind of look into this in a completely different light. And it really kind of changed my whole perspective. And obviously, I love hearing that feedback. I love to hear people enjoying that. But really to hear people that said, you know what, I listened to that and I clicked and I was able to apply that to something completely separate. To me, that's like the biggest kind of pat on the back of, hey, I put this in a way that you understood. You made it through the whole episode without, you know, turning it off. And you actually understood it enough to apply it. And it's helping your day to day life. So that's what I'm trying to do here. Educate you guys, you know, keep you aware. And then probably some of these maybe confuse you a little bit, but always should kind of get pushed out of your comfort zone. And and that's what I try to do. So don't be short sighted here. Look at the big picture, ask questions, do research. This will always work better than going with your gut, as a lot of people like to say. So please share with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. Just want to say thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listening app. So thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.